Welcome to this clinical law briefing. My name is Robert Wheeler. I work in Southampton as a children's surgeon and clinical lawyer and hope this podcast concerning a legal aspect of clinical life will interest you. This recording reflects on divining capacity. After two court hearings, a judgment was reached concerning Q.J., an 87-year-old man in a nursing home who was starving himself to death. Mr. J. had vascular dementia, but had made a clear decision towards the end of 2019 not to eat again. Understandably, the court was being asked whether he had capacity to make this decision. Following commencement of his fast, Q.J. had decided he wanted no treatment apart from palliative care. The general practitioner thought that Mr. J had capacity, that he did not want to take food, and that it was entirely wrong to force-feed him. He believed that Q.J. should just be allowed to die as he seems to wish. Those were his words. During subsequent conversations, it became clear that despite having taken no food at all for five weeks, Mr. J was asserting that, and these were his words, if I like what is put in front of me, I'll eat it. When asked if he would like to be put on an intravenous infusion for nourishment, he nodded. The diametric contrast between QJ's actions and his new indications took all involved by surprise, leading the judge to order a further hearing with expert evidence. Dr. A, a consultant in old age psychiatry, told the hearing that Mr. J had capacity for decisions relating to nutrition hydration and medical treatment. For these matters, Mr J could retain, understand, weigh and communicate his views. Dr A noted that QJ used shrugs and nods or shakes of his head to communicate, apparently abstaining from speech because his voice was dry and croaky, due to taking little or nothing by mouth. By contrast, Dr A thought that Mr J lacked capacity for residential decision-making extrapolating from his minimisation of the effect of his frailty on his ability to care for himself, thus deducing that QJ was unable to weigh the risks and benefits of either caring for himself or being cared for by others. Dr B, J's consultant physician, agreed that he could understand questions about why he was in hospital or whether he was hungry, although on the somewhat restricted basis that he felt Mr J's blank face or shaking head were indicative of understanding. Similarly, he concluded from his blank stare that J could understand an explanation as to the consequences of refusing food, and with a shrug of his shoulders and a shake of his head, confirm his refusal of a nasogastric tube. Notwithstanding these astute deductions, Dr B concluded during the use of what he called a recall question, that QJ could neither remember, weigh, or appreciate situational gravity, nor understand consequences. For this reason, he rejected the notion that QJ had capacity. Interpreting the evidence before him with enigmatic grace, the judge found that there was, and this is what he said, a good deal of evidence which suggests that QJ was making a capacitor's choice to die. Acknowledging that the evaluation of QJ's capacity was delicately balanced, 
the judge was unable to conclude that the presumption of capacity had been rebutted. Accordingly, a treatment plan including no readmission to hospital in the event that QJ refused food or water, continuing discussions with him in relation to his wishes, and the daily offer of 750 to 1,000 calories orally was endorsed by the court. Judges are no different from clinicians insofar as they are frequently called upon to make a decision on capacity in circumstances where the evidence is contradictory. The judge noted that since he had found that the patient had capacity, there was no authority or cause to make a determination as to where his best interest lay. It was also potentially significant that there was an agreed medical consensus that the treatment plan accorded precisely with the outcome that QJ wished for. The external observer might speculate that this outcome was more conveniently achieved thanks to the finding of QJ's capacity, but it would be hard to deny that this was the right result for him. I hope this was useful, but if you would prefer to read rather than to listen to me, by all means look at the Clinical Law website on the UHS webpage or type Clinical Law into a search engine.